heard across the Resonate Regional Radio Network. It's my time, it's my life. I hope you will come along. This is Rural Queensland Today with Ben Dobbin. Good morning and welcome. It's Wednesday morning, the 18th of January, and welcome to Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Uh, big show for you this morning and so much to get through. A very good morning to everybody listening to us. Uh, to our friends in the north, our thoughts are with you. Um, just unbelievable what is going on in northern Australia at this present moment. A very good morning to everybody through 4SB at Kingaroy, 4ZR Roma, 4VL in Charleville, 4HI in Emerald, 4LM Mount Isa, 4LG Longreach, 4GC Charters Towers and the Hot Country Network, good morning to you. So much to get through on this busy Wednesday morning. Uh, the tennis is underway. I don't know uh, who we despise more, Nick Kyrgios or Novak Djokovic. But either way, um, they're both so polarising. Obviously, uh, Nick Kyrgios pulling out of the Australian Open uh, before it started. We have two Australian men who are rolling and two young Australian females as well. We might snapshot that tomorrow morning. We'll talk to somebody uh, who is at the tennis. Jonathan Upton will join us as well. We'll catch up with Cyril Close today. Obviously, lots going on with the market, a 20% drop. Um, just where is that going to fall to? Gary Noller, not far away. We'll catch up with the ACCC Deputy Chair, Mick Keogh, who will join us. And Mark Barton um, from Nutrien, ahead of next week uh, when the Stockman's Challenge and Camp Draft for Nutrien and their sale gets underway. So the sale in two weeks' time, the Camp Draft and Challenge all begins next week. He'll join us as well. It's a big show for you. A very good morning to everybody listening to us across the network. Let's get into it. Uh, our first guest is Gary Noller. He joins us next from the r ahead of the Paddock to Pallet nominations closing, just exactly to give us some idea on what is required. This is Rural Queensland Today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. It's Wednesday morning, the 18th of January, and obviously a lot going on. Um, we will uh, start our show, and having been on the show many times before, we know we've already got to that time of the year. RNA Beef Cattle Committee Chair Gary Nola joins us. Gary, good morning. Thank you so much for being with us, mate. Happy New Year. Did you get a break? We did get a break, yeah. Um, welcome to the New Year. Two dollar. Um, no, we did get a little bit of a break, and um, uh, it was good. Good to have that. I can't believe that we're what the eighteenth of January already. It's, it's slipping away, isn't it? Yeah. Unreal. Uh, the reason, obviously, you know, uh, you've been heavily, heavily involved in the beef industry for a long time. But one of the great things that the RNA has done, and it was fantastic that they were back, and we were back bigger than ever last year, is their paddock to pallet competition. Um, the RNA's twenty twenty three. Paddock to Pallet competition and the Wagyu Challenge, all majorly sponsored by JBS, has been one of the real jewels in the crown. And nominations are close to closing, and I thought it would be amiss if we didn't get you on just to actually talk through this year's competition, the classes and all the process behind it, as well as just when entries close, which is in a little over a week's time. Exactly, yeah. No, entries do close. Um, the competition is a three-phase competition for um – um. Uh, three classes that are the normal run of um, uh, cattle production um, and uh, we focus heavily on that commercial side. So uh, we've got a 70-day um, uh, trade class, um, they're HGP treated. Then we've got 200-day classes. One's a HGP treated class and the other one is a HGP free class. Uh, we see vast differences uh, with the HGP free class and um, meat-eating quality. Um, 
up to 65, but just on 66 um, MSA points for meat eating quality points, which is quite high yep. uh, compared with the, the HGP free where um, they come in at around about that, um, the tops of those about 60. So there are differences in those two competitions. Of course, the weight gain in the HGP class is bigger. <clears throat> and when it comes to the Waggy competition, they're fed out at um, Sapphire Feedlot, no, Smithfield uh, own feedlot um, close to Gunga Windy. Um, those cattle for this year's competition have already been on feed since May last year. So it's a 400-day competition and um, uh, no HGPs there, of course, but uh, it's all about meat eating quality. And we had had a fourth phase to that competition whereby um, we and, – and integrity is important in all of our competitions. So the DPI, DAF, come in uh, with their meat, uh, or meat scientists and experts and uh, actually do the cooking for us on Silex cookers. And uh, we have a panel of um, restaurant uh, uh, managers, leaders, chefs, um, food industry um, experts all come in and sit around a table and um, – uh, blindly give their their um, their points to um, they don't know which which um, entry is which but they blindly give their um, uh, uh, taste uh, uh, expertise <clears throat> to um, a, a, a strip loin a piece of strip loin for, from each of those exhibits in that quaggy class which adds a little bit more to um, the competition as well yeah, yeah. huge mate it, it's yeah. a pretty special competition the, the kind of numbers that they've been growing and growing what do you so far what are what are nominations looking like and and obviously there's a lot of lot of people wanting to win this it it, it, it is a true representation of people's beef and, and there's a lot of commercial businesses using this data for their own uh, breeding programs and eating quality programs because of just how uh, extensive this is and just how important these kind of competitions are. What are numbers looking like so far? No, numbers this year so far, um, it's always difficult around Christmas time to uh, get people into action, but this year already we've got numbers that uh, look like that they're going to um, uh, supersede the numbers that we had last year. So, uh we're quite looking forward to the competition this year. There's been a lot of um, uh, confidence in the beef industry um, uh, in particular, but in, in agricultural industries in general. Uh, and, um, you know, we we just see this. You know, we're getting to a stage now where after the drought of 18, 19, the herd is starting to rebuild. But we're also um, we're seeing a lot of rain in the north at the moment, uh, which... Um, uh, we'll put a, a fair bit more confidence into things. You know, uh, this year we still feel that um, you know, prices, um, while they might take a correction, will be there, and um, yeah, uh, we, we're, we're hoping that um, uh, we might be able to to uh, just eclipse what we have had in the last number of years with in terms of terms of entry. JBS have been huge, haven't they, um, in getting in behind these kind of things, and and you know these kind of competitions, the paddock to pallet competition. With the three classes, the 100-day export, the 70-day trade, and the 100-day hormone growth promoting free export, they have been in Paramount and also with the Wagyu, just unbelievable. There is no doubt about that. You know, um, uh, we had um, uh, Morton Co. involved uh, when it was taken away from where it started at Lonsel's, the Lonsel's, um, uh, the Sturrock family's feedlot at Miles. Uh, And look, we've got people that have been involved for a long, long time, uh, exhibitors like Spen and uh, Sophie Morgan, uh, they're right since the inception, the Riverglen crew, um, the Sullivan family have been there right since that. there, there have been a lot of people, but none more than um, uh, JBS. JBS have always been the processor. They also feed three of these classes now, 
and um, as I said before, the Smithfield um, operation uh, with the Waggy. But it, it's, you know, we can't do any of this without any of the sponsors. We've got quite a comprehensive range of sponsors, both in kind and also in cash. Uh, a prize pool of close to 55000 That doesn't happen without the help of people, particularly like JPS, that are so heavily involved. Uh, we know how much it um, – well, we probably don't, but we've been told a lot of times – uh, how much it um, it costs to to run a plant, uh, particularly per hour and every hour that we're in there with a competition such as ours, um, and slowing slowing that whole process down. We're very conscious of that fact that uh, every year JBS come back and um, uh, said, "Yep, yeah, look, we're in it again." They they see a lot of value in it and, and know where the JBS operation is a worldwide operation, multinational. Organisation and nowhere else do they do anything like this or support anything like this to the degree that um, uh, they do with the RNA uh, paddock to paddock competition. Yeah, and this is the big thing. Um, it, it is huge. It'll culminate um, as the exhibitors who poll the highest aggregate scores across all the phases awarded an overall paddock to pallet beef awards dinner. That'll be presented by JBS and it's during the 2023 Royal Queensland Show. Entries close. Uh, Friday the 27th, that's next Friday the 27th of January and you just need to go to ekat.com.au and you go to competitions, animals, beef cattle, paddock to pallet, it is there, it's really simple. Gary Nola, best of luck with it um, and I strongly urge anybody who is listening to this today, who is contemplating it to get in contact, it is a phenomenal, phenomenal event and one that we are behind uh, highlighting and showcasing as well on this show because of just the importance of and what it is for the beef industry and the data that it gets, it is really, really strong. And it also is part of the RNA's ECA, which is obviously imperative, and we need to keep it as strong as we possibly can. Great to chat, and we'll catch up with you again shortly. Thanks, Dobbo, and uh, look, really appreciate the support from your boy from the bush. Uh, we've known for a long, long time, uh, really getting behind this, but um, that once again puts a bit of integrity and a fair bit of support and a fair bit of um, uh, consciousness, I think, behind what we're trying to do in terms of uh, promoting beef and and getting, you know, commercial data out there, I think that's so what it's important. all about too. So, so important. Yeah, thanks, mate. Appreciate yep. your time. Catch up with you again shortly. Yeah, thanks, Dobbo. Gary Nola, we'll take a break, come back with more. This is Rural Queensland today. Those entries close the 27th of January. We'll take a break, come back with more. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today with Ben Dobbin across the Resonate Broadcast Network. It's the 18th of January, a Wednesday morning. Our next guest is the ACCC Deputy Chair, Mick Keogh, joining us this morning as the ACCC is seeking public contributions to the Regional Mobile Infrastructure Inquiry. I'll get the Deputy Chair to join us now. Mick, good morning. Thank you so much for being with us. Good morning, Ben. Uh, Obviously, a lot going on um, uh, across the country, but this is a really important thing for rural and regional Australia. The Regional Mobile Infrastructure Inquiry has some really big purposes uh, for the government that will obviously decide a lot of policy. It does. Um, it's it's really asking a couple of uh, core questions. One is um, more broadly whether change rules about access of telecom providers to uh, infrastructure such as towers um, uh, may be needed to improve coverage in, in rural areas, and also then um, temporary, what they call temporary mobile roaming. So in other words, um, during an emergency, uh, is it feasible to have anyone with a mobile phone able to to make contact through any tower? In other words, to roam onto 
Another um, a tower, even though it's another network that they, they're not a um, subscriber to. So those two questions are quite important. And, and I guess in the background is the fact that um, the, the major telecommunication uh, companies have, in a sense, moved off their towers and their fixed infrastructure into separate structures. Um, and, and in some cases, uh, don't even own them anymore. So um, the the issue becomes quite interesting because I guess what we're long-term uh, trying to think about is how do we improve um, mobile coverage in the bush, recognising that in many places it's not only the only means of communications, but it's also um, uh, the main means of access to the internet. So just really drilling down through these issues and, and trying to make policy that really will hopefully improve um, both access to telecommunications in regional areas, but also particularly during emergencies, make sure we don't get caught out the way uh, the industry was a few years ago where, you know, an individual tower in a place went down and that was it. No one had any more communications. So. Yeah. Mick, They're the issues we're really trying to tease out here. Mick, look, every single person in rural and regional and remote Australia will have a gripe in some shape or form about, you know, connectability of, of, of mobile coverage, uh, black spots but of internet. But to be fair, it is in, it is improved in the last 10 years out of sight. Now, is there more work to be done? 100%. Um, should we be relying on one provider? I know uh, I'm with one provider and the minute you leave Toowoomba and head west, uh, any other provider, um, it just does not work. Now, these are the kind of things that you would, and I wouldn't expect Mick Keogh, the Deputy Chair of the ACCC, to understand. So these are why these kind of surveys that we need everybody who is listening to us today to partake in um, because the information that you guys gather, that gives you the the leverage to go back to the government and say, hey, this is what needs to be fixed. These are the concerns and these are the problems so they can at least address it. Yeah, and it, it is a real challenge because we know that the economics of um, sticking up a tower in a fairly remote area don't stack up on their own. So, in other words, you know, if you put up a tower in a in a fairly remote area in a small town, um, the economics won't of the number of calls and the calls you can charge for won't really justify that investment. But um, there's a broader context in that um, even people in the city appreciate uh, exactly as you've indicated, um, still having coverage when when they travel. Outside the major centres, yeah. um, so so there's some economics for the telcos there in in. Um, well, my, wife, my wife, my wife's with Optus, and I'm not. I, I can say it, and, and she loves it. Now, and, and and the minute we cross the cross the Great Dividing Range, <laughs> or we, when we get to Dolby, but when we go to Condamine or Rome, like she's got nothing, and she's just like, I've yeah. got no coverage, yeah. and and that's fine. Um, and I say, well, you need to be with another provider, Telstra, because like, and we're, we've always got it, but. It can't be that like there's people from the metropolitan. We want them to go regional. We want them to go to regional Australia. We want them to be able to have connectability yep. as well. And I do like what you're saying is that in a flood time, that there is a tower there, and and, and people should be able to connect to that tower and, and for emergency. It, it it just should be a way of the world. 
Yeah, and, and this, uh, I mean, there's, there's a couple of issues there. One is whether it's technically feasible. That's the that's the the, the key one. Whether, whether the the software and the firmware associated with um, these structures and infrastructure can uh, can be modified to make that happen. And I guess the related question is then what happens around things like um, the federal government's mobile black spot program, um, where the government contributes to the cost of putting towers up in certain areas, how does that work in the context where um, there may be requirements to share infrastructure or um, at least temporary mobile roaming during um, emergency situations? So it's 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 not straightforward. I think I think uh, everyone would love to see much better coverage, and we're certainly seeing new technologies um, such as the low Earth satellite coverage um, uh, start to come on stream, albeit at a fairly expensive level at the moment. So, you know, things are changing, things are improving. Um, but as I said, the context here is um, a lot of the telcos no longer have direct ownership of towers. So towers are owned by infrastructure companies uh, increasingly. Um, and that changes the game a bit because, um, you know, um, who's what's the incentive to invest in those? Um, who should get coverage off those towers when they're put up, and uh, and all those sorts of issues? So understanding the problem in terms of um, lack of coverage and the difficulty of getting access is a starting point, and then thinking through what policies might um, be the best way to make sure that that um, coverage is optimised and improved is is the next step. You're seeking a survey for people to go online now, you know, all written submissions or both, but a survey which would focus on questions about that that could be impact. Now, it, it takes 10 to 15 minutes, which isn't a lot of yep. time. How do people go about it? How do people go about getting onto this survey and where do they go? They just go to the ACCC website and you'll see um, a direction to public consultations and you'll see the regional mobile telecommunications infrastructure. We've had about uh, 900 responses so far, but surprisingly few from Queensland. So whether that's because of uh, the the season in Queensland and a few other things people have had to deal with or or whether it's just the message hasn't got out, I'm not sure. Yeah, you can't tell a secret. Yeah, I wasn't aware of it. I wasn't aware of it, but we are going to make everything we can do. So if you go to the ACCC website, now this closes on the 12th of March, so we will will Come back to this. So there's a little over a month and a bit to go, uh, roughly a month and a half. So people need to, and I mean this, absolutely 100% uh, lock in that they are going to do this survey. It's 10 to 15 minutes of your time and it is imperative. You all whinge about it listening to us. I've had countless, countless emails and phone calls about coverage and stuff like that. Well, this is something that you can do to make some change and it's really important. Mick Keogh, Deputy Chair of the ACCC, I really appreciate your time. We'll post that uh, website up on our website and hopefully uh, we can get some more responses from Queensland, which would be really important and a part of it all. Thanks so much for giving me some time this morning. Thank you very much. Good on you. ACCC Deputy Chair Mick Keogh. We'll take a break, come back. This is Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today, a regular on our show, and we make no apologies to Cyril Close, uh, the Managing Director of TopX Roma and TopX Australia. And Roma had its second sale, 3,400 head. Uh, it's been quite an unbelievable season throughout uh, different parts of northern Queensland and northern Australia. Uh, to get a snapshot of the Maranoa and surrounding areas and this market back underway, Cyril, good morning, happy new year. Great to hear your voice, mate, and, and we're back underway at Roma. 
Yeah, been yeah, been going for a couple of weeks, mate. Uh, yeah, albeit in a smaller smaller numbers uh, type scenario, which is always the case early in the um, year with everyone putting their toe in the water and quite a few people have been away having their yearly break away from the, the grind. But um, no, it's uh, season wise, where uh, yeah, we could probably share a bit of what's going on up in the north or the or the Kimberleys uh, through here. There probably hasn't been a lot of rain through the Maranoa Warrego since the um, end of November, so. Grounds has uh, dried out a heck of a lot. Uh, grass cover is obviously still there, but short and um, hayed off. Cattle yep. are doing exceptionally well, though. The condition on the cattle in the last couple of weeks has been great. Yeah, so obviously not a lot of rain to, to report, and there was an awful lot in November, but we understand, you know, where the season has been very, very hot this summer. Um Still, still cover, but nowhere near the feed. You'd be looking for a drink now, going into February, and a lot of people, you know, would be looking for some rain just to to freshen things up and grow a bit more grass. Oh, absolutely! Like it's probably the least we've seen the grass grow, uh, the, the buffalo grass particularly, because a number of things seems to be coming out from everyone is that the ground was way too cool there through November, December, sure. which is obviously the case, and and uh, and there was a lot of because we had such a great winter, the the weed. Oh, not weed, but the the herbage or the weed, what are you going to call it, has taken a heck of a lot of moisture away so the, that the buffalo needs, and it um, seems to be pretty hungry stuff. So uh, the buffalo is, is certainly not at a level with the amount of rain we had that you would normally think. Look, the hysteria that comes out of different markets and, and already it was coming out of these southern wiener sales, um, you know, it, it, it was bordering on ludicrous. There was certainly a, a decline in the value from the previous years and the previous rates, but there's also been a a lot a lot to like about exactly what what has been going on uh, with with the market. Now, we all expected the job just to be a bit easier this year. Um, we talked about this before Christmas. Um, you know, it just is, you know, nature. But by no means has it crashed. How was that job yesterday? And 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 has panic set in off the back of what happened in New South Wales at the beginning of the year? Oh, a number of questions there, mate. But, um, no, the market's definitely softer, I suppose, on an average price per head, if you want to work it over that, which covers across all categories. Uh, looking back through, I can only talk to you about whatever, where our figures are at. We're $400 back on where we were in about September, October. Right. On an average price, average price per animal, um, looking at our numbers, it's back about $400 per head if you're not just without taking the cents a kilo into consideration because that just covers across too many weight ranges. So if that's a bit of a snapshot, that's probably where it is. Um, so so are we're talking a 20% a twenty drop as such, roughly. Yeah, we're we're, yeah, we're looking at around about 20%, and I'm, being, and I'm not in any way trying to – to, to minimise it, but we're talking about a 20% reduction across the border on average value dollars per head. And that, yeah, that's all classes of cattle, yeah. from your prime cattle to your cows and calves, your peak tested animals, you, you know, that's your yeah. restockers to your backgrounder cattle to your feedlot cattle. So that's that average dollars a head. If you, to me, that's the simplest way of saying, right, well, that's where we're at. And then you can dissect it into all your different categories, and some of those will be worse and some will be not so bad. So um, yeah, there's a decline, mate, and, and it was coming um, for whatever reasons. Um, we were probably unsustainable. We all kept saying that, and we had a good ride. Uh, now let's hope we can just get a bit of sanity about it and just find a level that's uh, acceptable to everyone that um, and keep moving forward. So 
Let's talk about the snapshot at Roma. There was 3,400 there. Everything's got a bit of plum about it. They've come up the grass and, and they're all looking fantastic. Fresh cattle and a little bit of, of obviously nerve. People don't want to be the first to buy because, you know, they're worried, oh, I might get cheaper. That whole mentality comes back in. So where were the, where were the highlights yesterday? Oh, just the consistency. The highlights were the, the quality yarding that was there for over 3,400 head of cattle was the quality was good. They're mainly all local cattle because not a lot of cattle that came from away, travelled. Obviously too hot in some of the western areas or too wet. So the majority of the cattle were just local, locally drawn. Uh, so the condition was a highlight. Uh, the quality was a highlight. And then um, the, the different categories, feeder steers were $4 to $4.20 for your heavy feeders. Um, late $4 for your uh, domestic trade type type animal, mid to, mid to late $4.00. Uh, Weiner steers over five dollars uh, on 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 your quality ties, but you know you are buying a bit of condition with that, so that's all it's all relevant. Uh, probably the feeder and the, and the Weiner heifer job probably not a lot of change in it from sub sub fours like sort of three eighty through to four dollars fifty, uh, put you, which is roughly your heifer heifer market. Uh, cows prime cows out to three dollars ten, and uh, mainly sort of two ninety through to that three dollars. Three five, yeah. Bracket and uh, bullocks actually probably I would probably be the highlight. Mate, there was a few good runs of bullocks there. And I'm talking young bullocks that were sort of six hundred kilo, and they made out to three dollars sixty consistently. So there was a, there was quite a bit of activity in in that market that I saw. That obviously we didn't have any bullocks a week before, but that was a pretty solid solid part of the market. What's the talk, mate? Are we going to see? Do you think it keeps on going? Like the abattoirs are saying, there's not a lot of money in it overseas, um, and the drought has affected a lot of what what their reasoning is. And this is from a prime perspective, but people need to buy in the market, and and it's about averaging out. And you know what you buy and sell, and you get back in and you trade. Well, that, that's your, that's where it is. People just can't look at it as one transaction. It's a long term transaction. You've always been a big advocate of it. You've got to stay in the market no matter what. So. You know, walking the lanes yesterday. You know, what's the sentiment going on at the moment? Ah, oh, pretty much that. If you're in the trading world, you got to keep trading. Yeah, there's a burn from what uh, we we paid for cattle uh, last year, and and those cattle are coming back out now. And well, you can't just keep sitting on them, and they've, they've got to go at some stage. So there's some, there'll be burn in that tra- transaction, which will be a bit hard to swallow. But the next one's for going forward. Uh, you know, you're going to buy cattle with a bit of condition. You're probably not going to have them as long if the season stays well. So you'll get a shorter term trade out of the next one, and uh, let's hope there's a bit more, bit more fat in it. But um, yeah, the 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 uh, the trading world is always that. Uh, the meat job will be the season's obviously going to be pretty schmick in in a lot of areas where there's going to be the opportunity for people to put a lot of condition on cattle and uh, do it pretty quickly. So um, the, you know, the the meat demand well. There was all processes by on one or two yesterday that were operating, so they're back in you know nice and early. So um, yes, that's probably been driven by where they can't get cattle out of some of these other areas, but uh, the competition was there. And um, yeah, I, yeah, I have no idea in that meat world, mate. You know what what that overseas demand is? They can tell you what they want you to hear, but they, they've still got to be able to get get the stuff on the boats, get it get it killed, and whatever else. So um, on our end, we've just got to try and buy the right cattle and um, get the weight on them as quick as you can and get them out the door. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Appreciate your time. Understand, obviously, it's difficult in any business when you drop, have a 20% drop, there's always going to be some pain. Um, but it's about staying strong and staying consistent in this industry, and that's what they've done. And, and, and obviously, yes, it's been a good couple of years, but, you know, rightly so, it should have been that. But 
it doesn't need to get to the point where everybody is panicking because the more panic, the more it more it uh, affects the whole market. Um, and that's what you were saying at the start, just to to find a the bottom um, and find where the base is, and then you can build from that, and everybody can understand and know the new playing rules for 2023, I think will be something that hopefully happens sooner rather than later. Appreciate your time, mate. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you next week. Always a pleasure, mate. Thanks a lot. Good on you. Cyril Close. This is Rural Queensland Today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today. Well, it's that time of the year, a little under uh, a week before the Nutrien uh, Classic Camp Draft and Classic Sale gets underway. The sale, obviously, in a fortnight's time. Mark Barton is the National Livestock Marketing Specialist and runs and conducts this sale for Nutrient, and he joins us this morning. Mark, good morning. Thanks so much for being with us, mate. No, good on you, Dobbo. Good to talk to you again, mate. Uh, another year comes around, and we saw all sorts of records broken last year. One would only think that those records will be eclipsed, um, just the way the livestock industry's gone and the equine industry has gone and the catalogue that you guys are presenting in a fortnight's time. Mate, it's always, if you'd have asked me two years ago, we'd have a horse make half a million, I'd have, I'd have, I'd have not laughed, but I'd have been you know, sceptical. Then you look at some of the top-end horses this year. The, the industry's had a terrific um, influence from the cattle market. People have had, you know, particularly north of the border for us, like the Queensland Territory guys, you know, large numbers have got you know, cash flow at the moment. Um, and the whole industry has just found another level. Um, I think the, the amount of people that have, been reintroduced to horse sports or um, come into horse sports for the first time, let alone the people that are the regulars that are you know, using them every week on their farm. Yeah. So, I mean, you, when people say, oh, how do they do it? I mean, a horse in a business is a tax deduction, and I mean that genuinely. So, I yeah. mean, I don't and, – and people, you know, in, in the rural and agricultural industry, what, they want good horse flesh underneath them? Of course they want to do. And the competitions that have created – to me, you know, this makes perfect sense and it, it, it's a flow-on effect. Um, everybody goes, oh, well, gee whiz, that's a lot of money. For, but it takes a lot to get to a horse to half a million. It takes a lot to get to a horse to 20,000. It takes a lot to get to a horse to 10,000. Um, so for a long, long time, the people who were producing these horses, and I, I say this, Mark, with the, the, the deepest respect, they, they weren't getting paid what they were probably worth and that, and that, and that went on for a long time. So... It's sort of caught up, um, and, and, and I think it's wonderful because the flow-on effect for everybody is just paramount. Look, what you've got too is you've got a bona fide industry now. You, you've got people that once upon a time this was just recreation, but now you've got profession, professional breeders not dissimilar to what we're seeing in, in you know, thoroughbred, standardbred industry that are purpose-bred breeding horses. They're paying young people to put a foundation on a horse. Five years ago, there was probably only a couple of places where you could chase $100,000 on a weekend. Now, I could I could rattle off eight or ten of those now. Um, yeah, in our own event, we, we've got, you know, our, we'll eclipse our classic prize pool by about 70000 on last year, which is about a 60% increase. Um, all our horses, now we have a graduates for over five, so once they're out of their aged events, it was $150,000 draft. Um, yep. So there is prize money on offer for people in that market too, which is becomes a little bit self-funding. Um but you've got, like I say, some international genetics. People are prepared to make that investment, and it's great to see people being rewarded. So, mate, how many horses? Are, obviously, next Thursday, you know, next weekend. So, uh, we've got Australia Day, and, and and that weekend you get underway with the camp draft and 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 yep. and all the the events, and then the following Thursday, the sale gets underway. 
Obviously, the, the the around this classic camp draft and, and everything, it, it, the big money and the big qualm is out of the horses that have been bought out of these sales, they come back to compete. That's it, yeah. Look, it's not dissimilar to Magic Millions. You, you've got to buy a ticket for only horses that can compete for the money are the ones in the uh, in the in the uh, that catalogue. Um, we're back to six fifty. This will be the last year we'll have open age horses at our February sales. We're traditionally turning away twenty to thirty percent of. Um, um, people that, that enter a horse because we just physically can't handle them. We we went to 770 horses last year. We're back to 660 this year. And from this point on, any horse five or older will sell at our September graduate sale. So we've had to actually create another sale and event to, to handle them. But that'll mean in years to come, we'll have 650 two, three and four-year-old horses wow. um, coming back. And, and, and like I say, some of those are, well, they're world-class genetics. Yeah, so mate, what, the the horses that you have inspected and, and that your team's gone and inspected, and, and you say that because the magic means make sure they inspect all their horses. That process is not easy either, and obviously um, it, it begins automatically, almost straight after the sale happens every year. But you guys are now bringing equine in, um, in the sense of thoroughbreds. You also, and what you're talking about, having separate sales throughout the course of the year. It, it is a full time job. What what should people expect? And and there's going to be record amounts of crowds down in Tamworth. But what should people expect from this year's catalogue? Yeah, look, I, if there's a horse to, to beat our half million dollar record, that that'd be a stretch because our next best horse was three hundred. And look, an example: prior to last year, we had ten horses that had made a hundred thousand or more. Yep. Uh, last sale in February twenty two, we had ten horses make a hundred or more. So it, it, it doubled in one year. So a hundred grand is now quite achievable. Um, I won't make reference to the individual horses, but there are a couple of horses that are on paper potential to, to be up in that three hundred to five hundred thousand dollar bracket. Yeah. So yeah, there are a couple of outstanding um, mares in the catalogue this year. Um, talking numbers, we've got uh, record entries in, the, in our open draft, which are only open to people that bought or sold last year. Those entries are up thirty percent. Um, a challenge for the Australian Performance Horse Stockman's Challenge. Um, those numbers are up 40%. The young guns, they're under 25. The numbers are up 25%. So this year, I, we're expecting potentially, we, we'll, we'll have well over 3,000 horses on the ground, I reckon, this weekend, like next weekend. That, that, that's the biggest thing. Um, how do you run it, mate? How many people and how many people have you got with you? Like, how does it logistically, I, I understand, and we speak to you all the time, but the, to, to run these kind of events... The enormity of it, 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 I don't understand. How, how many men and women have you got working for you? Yeah, well, look, what we do have is we've got a lot of clients, sons and daughters that come in. Uh, a lot of them are at uni, and this is that last little dash before they go, but we would have between yeah, 20 and 30 part-time people that come back in. Some of them are our backyard guys that handle our livestock. You know, they're, they're more experienced um, livestock guys. We'll handle close to three, between three and a half and 4,000 cattle. So between seven and eight million dollars worth of livestock. So I wow. pay, you know, ex, yeah, we, we get professional contract guys to do that that know cattle in camp drafting. Um, we'll have about thirty young people between eighteen and twenty five come in and do their their bit as far as all, all the day to day stuff. Um, our sales team we use eight or ten auctioneers, but I had a young guy that had his first sale there a couple of years ago, and he said, "I think if I was a good footballer, this would be like getting a Wallabies jersey." <laughs> I get it, yeah. Yeah. The, the ticket to sell at the classic, like it, it's the pinnacle of a, of a young person, I suppose, to be invited to sell at that sale now. Which 
that in itself is probably part of the feel that you hope that, well, not hope, I know our clients get that it's an event. It's not just a sale, it's, it's an event. We've got uh, over 100 trading sites there. Um, so, you know, you've got the, the, the benefit of the traders. Um, we've now got four nights of, of um, competition finals. So wow. you're entertaining an audience, not just buying and selling livestock. So we get the community at Tamworth, the wider on, on our big nights, we can have up to 5,000 people in the stands and it's free access because we want people to come and enjoy it because that atmosphere creates the opportunity for the market to be at its best too. When you've got a good environment, people buy and sell. It all kicks off from next Friday, the 27th of January. The horse sale will commence the following week um, on the Thursday. I think it's the second potentially um, uh, when that gets underway. But, Mark, you do a phenomenal job, and, and, look, we will keep in contact. Obviously, we won't get to talk to you throughout the course of the sale because they're busy, but we'll talk to some of uh, your representatives just about to continue with the updates of the camp draft and, obviously, the challenge as well as the sale. Best of luck for the next couple of weeks. And anybody wanting to attend, is it pre-registration or they can just turn up and register? Yeah, look, we, we love people to try and be organised. If you're pre-registering, you spend your time looking at horses, not going through yep. you know, you know, qualifying yourself to buy and. Look, I guess another one for your your listeners. Um, last sale, you know, with seven hundred and seventy horses, sixty percent of those horses went to the uh, to the territory of Queensland. So, our northern market is a really important part of that market now. And if people do pre-register, like I say, they get to they get to town, come to Tamworth, enjoy the nutrient hospitality, but then spend their time looking at horses, not um, not going through paperwork and, and, and becoming registered to buy. Unreal, unreal. Great to chat. Best of luck. Uh, you'll deserve a beer in a fortnight's time. I know you're just preparing, mate. This is your state of origin. Uh, so That's good it. on you. Um, good, good on, on you, mate. Bro. Great to chat. We'll catch up again shortly. Will do, mate. See Thank you now. That all kicks off from next week. Uh, this is Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Well, that's it from us here this morning at Rural Queensland Today on this Wednesday morning, the 18th of January. Have a great day, Queensland. Ray Hadley to join you next. And remember, when the wheat is ripe, keep the headers rolling in the paddock. We'll talk to you tomorrow across Rural Queensland Today. You can go to Spotify if you've missed any of our previous episodes or you want to catch up, just go to Spotify and look for Ben Dobbin, Rural Queensland Today. Ray Hadley to join you next. We'll see you tomorrow.